Get the Pinot ready. It's crime time. stop shop for true crime and real housewives i'm kelly i'm lauren and we're your hosts (laughs) yay (laughs) we're back um and today we're going to be discussing the newest real housewives from salt lake city and the already iconic moments but before that i'm going to introduce you to salt lake city by telling you about a case that was left colder than jen for the past 10 years with (laughs) zero leads until october of this year this is the case of sherry black So before I get into this, um, I just want to say that a lot of the information that I gathered for this story was originally reported on by Pat Revy of Deseret News. So I just want to acknowledge all of the work uh, that he and Deseret News team did reporting for this case from the beginning and are continually doing so as more things evolve. And just to say that we're not here to take credit for anyone else's work. We just want to give these stories another medium and to bring awareness. And we're still working on how to link all of our sources, but we're going we're gonna to get to that. I'm really excited because really I know nothing about this story, I don't think, because I haven't heard the name that I can think of. Although, at some point, all true crime kind of blends together. Like, some people be yeah. like, it's the husband that murdered their family. And I'm like, oh, is it the one that I'm also like, went on which a, one? a camping trip? And they're like, no, it's different. I'm yeah. like, well, fuck. Okay. And there's so <laughs> many. Yeah, but when I... I actually found this case by looking up like the longest cold cases in Utah oh. and this one came up because of the recent developments that we'll get Ooh, into. Exciting. Yes. Oh, I was going to say before we get into developments, Kelly, what are you drinking? Cuz oh. we want to make this a chill like sip wine and yes. whatever beverage you prefer while we drink. Uh yes. while we so, speak. <laughs> while we speak, while we talk. Um so Insert opening of my can. <laughs> I am drinking an Austin East Ciders pineapple cider. When I went to the store today to get wine, for I was going to get Pinot Grigio, <laughs> but they didn't have any that was already cold. Mm. And yesterday I had one of these pineapple ciders and I was like, you know what? That's a delightful afternoon drink. And I'm going to I'm going to get a six pack. You're going to fucks with it. Exactly. <laughs> it's like sparkling juice, basically. <laughs> That's What are you drinking, Lauren? I'm drinking Porcupine Ridge Cabernet Sauvignon. Ooh. It's Sauvignon. <laughs> Delicious. I think Ooh. I think it would pass Ramona Singer's very intelligent nose. Amazing. The way you did like <laughs> reminded me of in the parent trap. <laughs> what part? The lizard part? <laughs> no, not the lizard part. Where <laughs> <laughs> where she's where she's pretending to be Annie and they're at this this you know nice lovely dinner mm-hmm. and she asks her grandpa for a sip of the wine she's like 
I'm more partial to the California grape. <laughs> and that's when her grandpa knows, like, this bitch is full of shit. He's like, my my granddaughter is not an alcoholic, but this bitch is. <laughs> I know. Hey, you gotta start him young. <laughs> it's the only way to handle Meredith Blake is by getting exactly. drunk as fuck in your dad's vineyard. Like, you know what? As someone who is now 26, like, I'm, I'm a little proud and envious of that woman like she really had it going i can't tell the difference between any grapes you could like blind taste test me with red and white and i'd be like it's uh wine (laughs) yeah it's like have you ever seen the episode of bob's burgers where they go on the wine train yes it's such a good episode (laughs) i loved it (laughs) oh it's so good they like get kidnapped or they like kidnap kids and for ransom. Yeah, they put them into words like in the caboose of the train. Yes. Oh. And then like they meet that obnoxious sommelier. Oh, I would love to be a sommelier, but I also know if I became oh. a sommelier, I'd be like, I hate that bitch. So. Yeah, yeah. I would be like, how do I become more obnoxious? Become hmm. a cheese become sommelier. A... <laughs> Honestly, that that's kind of a dream. Like, if I... Uh, if I could be like a rich housewife mm. and you know just do whatever I wanted as my business, I would start a charcuterie business. Like that's Ooh. that's my passion is putting together lunchables on a board and selling it for a hundred dollars. <laughs> well, it's like classy lunchables. You could be like charcuterie yes. for your bootery. I don't know for your Ooh. butt because my butt gets for big after a charcuterie <laughs> board. I'm going to take one last sip of this. I'm sorry mm. if you hear it before I get into telling you a terrible <sighs> fucking story. I think, like, if we're going to drink on microphone, we just have to be obvious about it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, I could hear your, like, cup hit the ground. My bad. Your glass. I no, can't. no, no, but I'm saying, like, that's a good thing, probably. Okay. All right. So... Back to Sherry Black, this beautiful woman. Sherry Way Casey Black was born October 14th, 1946 in Provo, Utah. But for the most part, she grew up in Orem. Orem is just south of Salt Lake City on the Utah Lake. And then Provo is like just a little bit south of that. So for people who are like me, very unfamiliar with Utah, it's all kind of close to Salt Lake City. It makes no sense to me. It's just down. (laughs) Um, Sherry loved books and bowling at a very young age. Same. Her parents actually, her parents owned a bowling alley and she loved it. And I was like, that's the most unique thing to be really good at as a child. Like, imagine going to a new school and being like, my name is Sherry and I'm a pro bowler and I'm 12 years old. (laughs) I actually have a funny story. Growing up, a friend of mine, oh, uh, her dad owned a bowling alley. So like every slumber party we had, we would go to this bowling alley and I still suck at bowling. Like this did not make me a savant. Like I'm, I'm as good at bowling as I am bet- between distinguishing grapes of wine. But it was a lot of fun to grow up with. Yeah, bowling is really fun. Like, I was really mm-hmm. sad when I got to the age where they, like, took down the bumper rails, and I was like, well, now I suck. <laughs> You're never too old for bumper rails. You're never too old to get railed, is what I say. <laughs> uh. <laughs> That's true, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> 
Well, yeah. Sherry was much better than either one of us because she competed competitively across the U.S. And that's actually how she met her husband, Earl Black. What an awesome name. And they married Earl Black, right? Earl Black. That's a dope name. Earl. Like, I Earl. want him to, to be from, like, fucking Oklahoma and say his name, Earl. Like, <laughs> my Earl. name is Earl. Yeah, sorry to keep interrupting, but there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun facts already in the first couple sentences, and and we need to be like celebrating this early part of it because pretty soon you're just gonna want to cry and yell and just be like the fuck about everything. I love them so so much. (laughs) Oh man, they married in 1965 when Sherry was just 18. So like fresh little lovers uh, and by all accounts they seemed perfect for each other besides you know loving to bowl together <laughs> they also really loved being outdoors they shared the love of books uh, animals and they had very strong similar family values and they were both Mormon and so together Sherry and Earl had two children uh, Jason and Alexander Black that passed prior to Sherry I'm not sure how. Mm, I know. And her daughter, Heidi Miller, and they were very close. Like, Heidi recounts the day, the days before the event, and was just like, yeah, I was like, nothing was wrong. Like, we were just so in sync. And that was actually one of the ways that they knew that something was wrong, is because Sherry wasn't answering her phone calls. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, Sherry. Sherry. But so as I said before, Sherry loved books and it wasn't just one of those things, you know, growing up. But she was really good at spotting rare and exceptional books. Like she would go to thrift stores and garage sales looking for books and was just really good at spotting those ones that were worth a lot of money that people were just like getting rid of. Good for Sherry. I know. So much so that yeah. in the late 1980s, she started selling them out of her own bookstore, which became known as B&W Billiards and Books. So the shop was located at 3466 South 700 East, which is like such a weird address to me. But the only reason that that's relevant is because it's pretty close to a highway. Or not a highway, but it seems like, yeah, like an eight-lane highway. So like a pretty... Pretty biggie, busy street. Or road. A biggie street? A biggie street. A biggie... Is it, is a, biggie it a biggie small smalls? street. It's a biggie smalls uh, highway. Um, and the shop was right next to their home. And this is in, like, South Salt Lake City area. But the shop was actually started in 1975 as Earl's business. He sold custom knives, billiard supplies, and was doing repairs. However... Uh, Sherry, with her, you know, unique eye, had eventually collected (laughs) over 100,000 books and wanted to start selling them. So. Amazing. Like a a true, like, I don't know, happy couple, I guess, because, you know, happy wife, happy life. Um, (laughs) The the store eventually became the bookstore, but Earl made custom knives and pool tables and Sherry ran the book side of it, which... Like, based on what I could tell, had really, like, taken over the place. Because, like, a small shop with 100,000 books in it. Yeah, well, I mean, like, if you think about it, people need all kinds of books. But you only need one knife and one pool table. (laughs) That's true. And, I mean, they had their house close to it. So, like, 
go to the garage, Earl. I don't know. But ah, yeah, but she That's so cute. I know. They just so perfect. <laughs> She focused mostly on Mormon texts, but overall had a really successful business, and by the time this story takes place in 2010, was also uh, selling on Amazon and doing pretty well. And I didn't know this, but evidently Mormon texts, like early Mormon texts, are really expensive. Like, they're really pricey, like $20,000 to $100,000 Holy fuck. I know. (laughs) I had no idea. Why? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I'm... They're sacred, I guess. I mean, that's really sacred. Holy shit. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. But, I I mean, Sherry just saw, like, a gap in the market. Was like, you know what? I can do this. She's a fucking entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, they were doing pretty well for themselves and, like, by all accounts, pretty happy. And I know this is, like, very stereotypical in every story, but all of Sherry and Earl's neighbors described them as quiet, pleasant, and even one saying that they were, quote, the best neighbors a person could ask for. You just get those vibes. If you bowl <sighs> and make pool tables and knives and sell books, yeah. like, you, you're probably like, I imagine, cool. I imagine Earl being, like, this really nice, sweet old man that you, like, wave to as he goes to check his mail. And you're like, yeah, Earl, I have, like, this... I don't know, woodworking project that I'm trying to get. Can you help? And he would come over and, you know, spend the afternoon looking at it. Oh, he totally would. And you'd be like, Earl, where is your girl? And I know, like, how's Sherry doing? How are the books? So the bookstore was pretty small. It was a little dusty, kind of crowded, which, like, sounds pretty normal because I can, like, smell it as I was reading mm. about this. I can, I was like, I can smell this because as a child, my mom would take me and my brother to a lot of bookstores that were, like, secondhand bookstores, and there was always, like, a sweet little old lady there, like Sherry was. There was even one that had a cat. Oh, there's and always so a I cat. Can just, like, I can just, like, picture it, like, just stacks of books and, you know, just, like, a lot and no, like, Dewey Decibel system to be found. (laughs) That's very specific. Okay, but, like, after that, do you know what kind of bookstore I'm talking about? Oh, absolutely. Can you also picture it? It's like you've got mail, but more rustic. Yes. (laughs) Yes. With, like, a little bit more Mormon sprinkled in there. Yes. Yes. Um, And so, you know, as we've described, everything was great. That was until the terrible day of November 30th, 2010. No. So we're just going to take, we're going to break here and take another sip before we get into (laughs) this. I need liquid courage to enter this phase of the story. I know. Well, okay, think about it this way. Mm-hmm. On the other side of this, we're just going to be, like, gushing and talking about our love for Heather. So it's going to it's gonna balance <laughs> out at the end. That's okay. our goal, right? I'll be happy again. It's fine. Yes. <laughs> it's fine. So it was a normal day. Sherry was working alone, and things seemed pretty quiet. Until the afternoon at approximately 1.45 p.m., Earl walked over to the business, and he didn't see her. 
And this is after Heidi had like tried calling her mom and didn't didn't get a hold of her. So I don't know if Heidi was like, "Hey, dad, can you go check on mom?" I'm not sure what like what the series of was events if he was just like always yeah. going to walk over there. But either way, Earl walked into the shop. He didn't automatically see her. He tried calling out for her as he's going through the store and he's like not getting a response. He's like, what, where is she? Where could she have gone? And I couldn't find a clear answer for where exactly she was found. I've seen some reports that she was in the stock room, like in the very back. Others are less specific. Um, but either way, he finds her body and he immediately calls 911. When Earl found her body, she was very badly beaten and she was stabbed. The public autopsy, or the part of the autopsy that was made public later, it stated that she had a lot of defensive wounds. um, And those are pretty much from her trying to fight off her attacker. And so immediately the Salt Lake City police detectives began investigating it as a homicide and were trying to work as quickly as possible to collect the evidence that was left at the scene. And... I know what everyone is thinking in this situation because it's always the husband, it's not right? Now. Like, they're too pure. Where was Earl? If it's pu- if it's Earl, I'm gonna be Did upset. Like you- <laughs> I'm gonna. Well, no. I mean, I, I, as a detective, like you, ha- th- that's the first yeah. person. That, like, not only was he on the site and didn't manage to hear or see anything. It's also like it's normally always the husband or it's like a partner. I understand. Um, but they bold yeah. and read books together. They have to be pure. I know. <laughs> well, don't worry. He is. But, yes. um, so Earl... <laughs> po- plot twist. <laughs> well, I mean, it was cold for a while, so plot okay. twist. But So Earl and Sherry's home was immediately closed off for investigation, but Earl spent the night with the detectives being questioned all night long. Um, and they, they spent a lot of time with Earl because... The shop was largely untouched. There was still money in the cash register, and the safe wasn't really messed with. So it wasn't, these aren't, there were no obvious signs of a robbery. And that that made it very hard to point to a motive. Um, Sherry did have a ton of books, and like I said, there was no Dewey Decibel system. <laughs> so she had a lot of the organization in her head. So there was no way to tell if, any of the books were missing right off the bat but there were more valuable items that were like very obviously out in the open that weren't taken so police couldn't say if it was definitively a robbery and also the state of sherry's body being so brutally beaten possibly suggested that it was personal was she which we do see a lot in other cases was she like sexually assaulted or anything like was this a sexually driven thing or uh well we'll get into that okay later, sorry actually. don't mean to get ahead because like no you're fine but yeah and what was released early on mm-hmm. said nothing about a sexual assault it just said defensive wounds badly beaten and that she had been stabbed interesting okay yes but Yes, so they didn't find anything missing, but what they did find was that this perpetrator was messy. Um, Investigators ended up finding blood that did not belong to Sherry, a partial fingerprint, and a part of a palm print. And none of this ended up matching Earl, and 
So they ended up checking it against CODIS, the, the database for law enforcement, mm-hmm. and they did not find anything in CODIS for this individual. The only thing that they could tell is that it was a male. So this implies that the person who brutally murdered Sherry had never been arrested and their DNA doc- and had their DNA documented Honestly, before. from how you've, so they ha- how you've described the scene, it sounds like a really messy case, so it doesn't sound like someone who's, like, done this a lot and really honed their skills. Because yeah. so, you know how, like, murders mm-hmm. and stuff, it, it always builds. Like, it starts small. Yeah, you get... Yeah, you progress. And, yeah, and, I mean, they kept tracking it throughout the years and weren't coming up with anything. So either this person, well, that was, like, a one-off mm-hmm. or they eventually got better. So police did the normal thing. They were looking around, asking if anyone in the area on that day had seen or heard anything out of the normal and asked them to come forward, but no serious leads ever came out of it. The investigation continued with not much luck at all. Finally, in late December, police reached out to the public again, sharing a new bit of evidence. And this is quite common. You know, they don't want to release their whole Mm -hmm. load at one time because then copycats come forward or people who want credit for it. Or they need, like, someone to confirm, like, to slip up and say, oh, I shot her. And they're like, we never said she was shot. That type of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so they released a photo of a black Armani exchange belt measuring 36 to 38 inches. And there was a sticker on the back with the numbers 323 on it. Police that thought that it may be related to inventory from a store or something similar, but they were never able to confirm this. So they asked out to the public, hoping that, you know, someone would at least recognize it. Maybe they sold it in their shop. Maybe they knew someone who had like a similar one that all of a sudden stopped wearing it. But just anything that would help. However, sadly, nothing came of it. Womp, womp, womp. And I think like the most frustrating thing about this case early on is that, you know, based on everything that I've just listed, it is a lot of evidence, especially when you when you think about cases where they find DNA and an item that potentially belonged to the killer that was possibly used as a weapon. I think like a lot of people are automatically like, oh, that's great. It'll be pretty easy. Open and shut. You got DNA. It's like a nail, the nail in the coffin, especially in, you know, 2010. This wasn't that long ago. You know? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. It seems like they have a lot to go off of, and to be that specific with a belt, uh, it's, it's kind of amazing that they don't have a suspect. Yeah. Or like a, a predominant lead based off of this. So, because DNA found at the scene didn't match anyone that was already in the system, police had to try various other means to identify the killer. They featured her case on America's Most Wanted website in an effort to get some more tips. And Sherry's son-in-law, Greg Miller, who is a pretty big deal in the community, some places name him as, quote, one of the richest men in Utah, because at the time, he was CEO of the Larry H. Miller Group that owned the Utah Jazz NBA team. Which, side note, I had no idea existed until now. <laughs> There's a jazz NBA team? No, I would yeah, not. Yeah, I was that. on the verge of just typing like jazz club. But then I was like, <laughs> you know what? This is like mentioned everywhere, so it's probably a big deal. I should like Google exactly what this is. 
National <laughs> Brass like, Wait, what? A-team. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so I learned that, and and I was like, dang, you know what? It kind of, it like, it really makes me wish that I knew of Heidi from The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City and not from this terrible story. Yeah. Because I'm like, give me this, this rich, beautiful woman. <laughs> but anyway, the the status, his, his success, allowed for the family to put up a series of rewards. It started at 25000 then up to 50000 and eventually all the way up to 250000 by 2017. And they also put up several billboards asking for tips, but alas, had no luck. So the case went very cold after this, and seven years later, on the anniversary of Sherry's death, investigators decided to give the DNA another go. And this time, they went through Paravon Nanolabs to phenotype the DNA. And phenotyping, it uses the person's DNA to look at the genetic instructions within and determine how it translates to physical attributes. So they can predict a person's genetic ancestry, their eye color, hair color, if they have freckles, their ethnic background, and their face shape. These are all traits that are inherited from our parents. From, or sorry, they're all traits that are inherited from our parents' genes, and want, that's why they're more easily mapped. And it doesn't account for nature's change in our appearance, though. So uh, plastic changes in many cases of some people, or like weight gain, you know, maybe if you tie your hair color, whatever. So in the end, it produced a snapshot of a person, of a man, that had light brown skin with black or brown eyes, black hair, and that was of Western African ancestry. This snapshot and the age progressions can be seen in our recent posts on Instagram. Criminally Real Podcast. Yes, thank you. Thanks for the plug. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So pictures of this were circulated around asking if anyone had knew anyone that looked even remotely similar and had been in the area at the time of the murder. And this was also the time when the family increased the reward in money to $250,000. So... Nothing really came of that, but in 2018, the case was handed over to cold case detectives with the Unified Police Department of Greater Salt Lake. That's a mouthful. So they they were always kind of involved in the case, um, but they began going through all of the evidence again, following up on, you know, any tips and leads, conducting interviews again. And so that finally brings us to Saturday, October 10th, 2020, when seemingly out of nowhere, Salt Lake City County Sheriff Rosie Rivera announced that they had made an arrest in Sherry's case. Fuck. Bum, bum, bum. I honestly wasn't expecting that. You said it was reopened recently, and I was like, okay, they probably have like another belt they've identified. Yeah, like they're going to release another, you know, little breadcrumb of evidence or something. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, we know the cold case detectives work very hard and stuff, but you also have Fuck to yeah. imagine that it's like eight years later going through this evidence and trying to talk to people again and then taking this like, you know, computer generated picture of someone that may or well, that does exist, but may or may not look exactly like that and being like, did you ever know of someone that looks like this eight years ago? Yeah, that would be, I mean, 
I can barely remember what I looked like eight years ago. Let alone I don't even, like a complete I don't, I don't, stranger. I don't want to remember what I looked like eight years ago, <laughs> and I don't want anybody else to either. either. I was way cuter. I was skinnier, <laughs> but I'd like to think I had a glow yeah. up since then. <laughs> yeah, of course you have. Oh, so it was announced on October 10th that 29-year-old Adam Durborough, I think that's how you pronounce his name, Durborough, was arrested right. at his home for aggravated murder and aggravated burglary, both of which are first-degree felonies, and because of the murder, it's a capital offense. He was denied bail, but it was also reported that Durbaro confessed shortly after being taken into custody and after being read his Miranda rights. So it hasn't it hasn't been released exactly how police became aware of Durbaro, but the affidavit stated that the police had collected his DNA from a discarded item in a public place and then were able to match it to that of the DNA that was left at the scene. And but the DA Sam Gill later said that the phenotyping was critical to leading the investigation towards Durbaro. But that has yet to be announced how. Um, so, but on t- October 26th, Gill also announced the murder charge against Durbaro, but wasn't clear on whether or not they would be seeking the death penalty. And it was at this time that Gil also revealed that Cherry was likely sexually assaulted by her attacker as well. No. Uh, Sherry. Yeah. So that was like one of those pieces of evidence that they chose to not release to the public at the time. And yeah. it was something that because of that, like only Derbero would know. So. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Awful. You know, awful. Awful. Let's briefly talk about this piece of shit. Because <laughs> yes, drag him. Yes, there's nothing more that we love than to talk shit about shitty people. And good people sometimes and if good they people. work my last nerve. Exactly. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> That's like the main reason why we started this podcast, right? It was like to talk shit about shitty people and to like, like fucking stand amazing a- people. If talking shit was a language, I'd be bilingual. I truly <laughs> have a better resume to hand out. <laughs> we'll post pictures on the Instagram um, just for, you know, everyone to determine for themselves if he looks anything like the snapshot. In the booking photo, he definitely doesn't. But in other photos, he kind of does. Like he has like a very kind of like oval round face shape. Um, and in his younger photos, but then in the booking photo... He looks, honestly, he looks really fat. Like, it's not a good angle. We all put on that COVID weight, all right? Yeah, same. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, if I had a booking photo right now, I would look worse than Tinsley Mortimer. (laughs) (laughs) At least my eyebrows and eyelashes are in place. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't have the eyelashes, but my eyebrows would at least be better. (laughs) But we'll post photos of that on the Instagram as well, and, you know, you can tell us your thoughts on what you think. But so about Adam Derbereau, he did not have an easy growing up either. But just to be perfectly clear, this does not excuse his decision that he made to assault and murder a woman in her bookstore. Absolutely not, because a lot of people have fucked up childhoods and they go on to be wonderful people. And at the end of the day, like your background obviously shapes who you become. At the end of the day, you are responsible for your actions. Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. And especially that of murdering someone. Yeah, that's next level. 
Yeah, but it, it does say something about where a person comes from and, you know, how when a person comes from a cycle of abuse and carries that forward and has their own victims. His adopted dad, Joseph Dubrow, was arrested in 2002 in a major investigation called Operation Hamlet. This investigation indicted 15 people for conspiracy to create and share images of child sexual exploitation. And this is across international uh, boundaries as well. Fuck them so hard. (laughs) Joseph was operating under the ruse of a photography studio in his basement. For children, and particularly that of ethnic children. Black and brown children. Fuck him so Mm -hmm. hard. But secretly... Like, what a piece of shit. Yeah. But secretly, he was taking photos of the children in their changing room and selling them online. Like, he had a secret camera in the changing room. Oh, my God. So, like, the children's parents would be there expecting that they're going to get these really cute photos of their 10-year-old on their fucking birthday. And instead, they're... Their child is exploited and the pictures are sold online. And they think everything's okay because he's only taking, have a, has a secret camera in the changing room. So it's not like they see yeah. him being a fucking pervert ass fuck. They're like, this seems fine. It's in a basement, which would personally make me go, mm, I'll go to <laughs> yeah, Sears. Yeah, it's 2010. But, like, you could, like, you could go to, to yeah. Sears, JCPenney's, I don't know, wherever. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I mean, I'm not shaming the parents no, or I mean, anything. They didn't, they didn't um, know. That's they don't yeah. know, obviously. Uh that's so mm-hmm. fucked up. Yeah. Even more fucked up is at the time Joseph had ten adopted children living with him. Ten. Ten. Sake. Yeah. And it isn't confirmed, <sighs> but it's likely that Adam would have been one of the children there at the time. Um, so after this charges and he was arrested, none of the children were removed after this because it was assumed that Joseph's wife, Karen, had no idea that the exploitation was happening. And this just like infuriates me just to my core. DHS thought that it would, quote, traumatize them further to move them out. Uh. Yes, you heard me correctly. The people who are in charge of taking care of these children in this state thought that it would traumatize them further to move them out of the home in which they were maybe likely being sexually exploited. child pornography is being sold. Like, they were like, child, we, like, well, wait, sorry. I'm going to stop you right there. Pornography implies that it's, like, uh, sexual. consensual. Yes, yes. And it is not sexual or consenting in the slightest so i just want to like okay take that back (laughs) yeah (laughs) or i mean for anybody else who refers to things as child porn like or kitty porn or something like that like i know that investigators and things in that field have really tried to switch the the wording away from that interesting i'd never heard of that Mm -hmm. i learned something new today yeah and i i mean i had heard of it before but when i was reading this case and i was like okay what are all of the things that like that can be child sexual exploitation Mm -hmm. um and this was a big part of it and why they're why they're trying to get away from saying you know child pornography or kitty porn and because it simply is not that it's almost like okay that makes sense but back okay. to the DHS thing. I'm just like 
still pissed about it. Even from no, when I was I'm reading raging. this, I was like fuming. And I was like, what the actual fuck? What yep. are you thinking? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so it is believed that Adam did suffer some sort of abuse at the hands of his adopted father. And this is based on a series of Facebook posts that he made in 2012 in which he called Joseph a pedophile and another one calling out his adopted mom, Karen, for knowing, a, knowing that her husband is a pedophile and that she chose him over her kids. Because at this what week, a Karen! I know, fucking Karen. Because uh, uh, it was Karen. about this time that Joseph was getting out of jail, and like Karen let him move back in. So Jesus Christ, she definitely had to have known if like she just willingly let him move back in after mm-hmm. being. Was he found guilty? Like yeah, they yeah, found did, him guilty. Yeah, he did jail time. He served time. He did ten years. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, what a fucking Karen. Oh, what a fucking Karen. <laughs> what a so, Karen. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So, to no surprise, by the time that Adam Dubrow was a teenager, he began fighting and showing other signs of antisocial behavioral issues. And at the time of just 14, he was convicted of attempted rape and aggravated assault, and he, he was sent to juvie, or juvenile detention we call it juvie here i don't know what do you call it yeah yeah i know it as juvie yeah Yeah. so at 16 derbero was convicted of assault with weapon or force at only 16 at only 16 so at this point in two short years he's been convicted of two separate charges two separate counts of assault yes and So then shortly after this, on his after his 19th birthday, he was arrested for shoplifting and he pled guilty to a class B misdemeanor. He was originally sentenced to 60 days in jail, but a judge suspended the sentence and instead gave him probation. This was like a show of leniency, basically. So did they not did they not take his DNA or anything when he's for well, I mean if he was in juvie yeah. it might not be the same protocol. Exactly. And I know what happens like it's not clear if DNA was taken at the time and I mean mm-hmm. the class B misdemeanor they wouldn't have taken it for but his you know attempted yeah. rape and then his assault with a weapon um it, because he was underage they might have like sealed his his record which is quite common with minors to protect yeah. them. We don't, we're not really sure. Maybe that'll come out later. But Yeah, that, that would yeah, make sense. But the misdemeanor charge and the probation, that was towards the end of October. Or that was at the end of October. And Sherry was murdered less than a month later towards the end of November. Mm-hmm. So had this judge not been lenient with him and given him probation... Maybe this would not. Why have would you after their fir- third, their third under twenty, mm-hmm. like get him in correctional right. school or something? Send him to scared straight. Yeah. <laughs> yes, get him to scared yeah. straight. Fuck. So that happened in October, and then we know it happened in November, and then again in January, he was arrested again on another theft charge, and he was sentenced to a hundred and eighty, a hundred and eighty days in jail. So are we are we noticing a pattern here? Are we seeing seeing anything? We have yes, yeah, I guess we have a, a attempted rape, two counts of assault, and theft, two counts of theft, and uh, a murder in between there. 
The justice system just fails it, all the time. It does. And I think all the time, especially How- in his case, it really did because he I mean, I think he probably would have been around 10 at the time that his his adopted father was arrested or, you know, he was under 13 at least. Sorry, I'm not mm-hmm. a math whiz. Can't do that right now. But I mean, we don't know if who's to say that if he was taken out of that situation and out of that home sooner and gotten the help that he needed through the state, would this be the same? But then, you know, it's like it can failed him again by not correct sending him to a functional correctional institute. It's always a nature versus nurture debate, isn't it? At the end of the day, it always boils down to if intervention had taken place earlier in Mm. their life, could this have prevented? But I also just think people are destined to be awful human beings, and you can't fix that. Yeah, I mean, I can't. I don't don't know one way or the other if it would have helped, but I, I think it's important to to talk about his background anyway is to say like we can see it Mm -hmm. leading up to this moment even from a very early age i mean we even said at the beginning of this podcast we're like it's i was like it's a bit weird that this would seem like the person a person's first murder Mm -hmm. or you know or assault it's like usually things build it doesn't just escalate from point a to point z where you murder someone usually it's like you get in a fight you petty theft, mm-hmm. etc., and then it builds, and that does seem to be yeah, the case that's, that's exactly uh, for him. Pretty much. So in 2010, at the time of the murder, Adam Dibberow was reportedly staying with his biological mother that lived just one mile away from Sherry and Earl. By 2012, he had moved away, and after this, he began to keep a pretty low profile. This was also around the time that his adopted dad was released and when he made those Facebook posts that I mentioned earlier. But nothing else was reported from then until his the time of his arrest in October. And at the time, or when he was arrested, his family made a statement via an attorney basically stating that they were very heartbroken. They had no idea that Deborah had been involved with Sherry's murder, but they expressed sincere condolences to Sherry's family. And it was just signed the Deborah family. So I have no idea who all that includes, if that's his biological mother, if that's his adopted, if that's his, his own family. I'm not sure. But right now, Derbero is being held without bail, and I'm not even sure if it'll go to trial, because like I said earlier, he reportedly confessed to the crime, so he might just take a plea deal, mm-hmm. which is pretty common when people confess. <laughs> yeah. But either way, um, Sherry's family has expressed how grateful that they've been for all of the investigators on the case and the 10 years of support and work that they've put into it and how it's how it's finally closed, closed that big hole in their life. And a big thing that the family has done that I haven't mentioned yet is the Sherry Black Foundation. And what they do with this foundation, it was set up right after Sherry's death, is they try to bridge the gap between industry experts and the emerging technologies that are coming out and making sure that law enforcement is are educated on how to use the the new technology and how they can use it to solve cold cases. Yeah, like I said, they started this foundation shortly after Sherry's murder, but they do plan to continue their work through it, considering investigators saying that the phenotyping was 
key into pointing them to Durboro. We will link the foundation in the episode description notes so that you can take a look for yourself and see what new technologies and how the, the Cherry Black Foundation is, is working with law enforcement. Yeah, I just think, I mean, I'm glad that this case has been pretty much solved, but I do wonder, like, what his motive was if the money was largely untouched. They couldn't really find any books, like, valuable. Not that if he's not Mormon, he might not be able to differentiate mm-hmm. between, like, yeah. uh, important biblical strip, strip scripture, essentially. Um, so I wonder what the motive was. I guess it's just a I power think- thing, like an assault and power thing yeah i'm wondering if it it was just like maybe a crime of opportunity or robbery gone wrong like you know maybe his his robberies and assaults in the past were pretty i don't like easy like it was very easy for him to gain power and he didn't expect sherry to fight back maybe that was the case like he went in intending to rob but then was met with this fierce fierce dynamite woman sherry (laughs) and after he you know killed her he just ran like i'm not i'm not sure but i think i think it's safe to assume that it was probably intended as a robbery gone wrong yeah That's my i just i feel so bad sherry and her husband just seemed and i'm so glad it wasn't earl that killed her because they seemed like the best like i want to be friends with them yeah like I do it's too. really like, sad. I'm like, I want them as my neighbors. I know. And like in the pictures that you see with the family, like they just look so happy. And like everywhere you see, you know, Sherry's biggest joys was being a mom and a grandma. Mm. And uh, then you see pictures of like Earl and Heidi later afterwards. And it's just, uh, it's so sad. It's so sad. It oh. is. But I'm, I'm glad that they've, that you know they had the means and the will to to turn it into a foundation and to really help try to solve more cold cases even if they weren't originally able to to solve hers like they as a family they used their means to continually try to help the investigators as much as they could and eventually did lead to to the murder being solved or so far allegedly yeah this is like totally a case of like getting dealt a shit hand but making the best of it and i'm and i'm like making margaritas shit. yeah to do the bethany frankel but uh i'm like get a delta shut shit hand and i'm like i'm gonna go drink some wine yeah that's how i'm gonna cope yeah like i would be like okay well i guess no one's murder is getting solved i'm, I'm yeah. just gonna go wallow now i'm but. just gonna murder this yeah. bottle of wine I wanted to ask how you feel about familial DNA and the whole art of phenotyping and how, like, maybe they didn't necessarily do it in this case, but how DNA can be connected to, you know, like a distant cousin in which they can work through the family tree in order to identify people. And, like, how do you feel about that? I'm personally, and I know this is controversial and I get why people would have opinions on both side of the coin on this Mm -hmm. i'm personally for it but like they were able to catch the golden state killer what Mm -hmm. was it like two years ago now two three years ago because his like granddaughter did a family history and then they're able to trace him and 
Like, I, I get it. You don't want the government having more access to you. And I get wanting to, like, be Ron Swanson and be <laughs> off the grid. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, look at... We fucking caught Eron's because of this, who mm-hmm. was a horrific rapist and was a police officer. And it's like, had his granddaughter never submitted their family tree ancestor. Yeah, like 23 and me. Um, he, it probably would have never been solved. Yeah. And so who knows what could be solved yeah, in I the mean, future. I, I understand that point. I have to say I probably lean more on the other side of the coin in the fact that like <laughs> I think that consent is very important when it comes to your personal information and mm-hmm. what companies and government can do with it. And like I don't want, you know, my distant cousin making a decision for me that I can't that I can't take control of or something like that, you know? And I feel like it is such a good thing and I completely acknowledge all the points that you made but at the same time I'm just kind of like this could equally be used for such horrible things you know like god forbid that there's another holocaust or something god awful like that of ethnic cleansing well you just have an entire family map of how of how to of which people of your to genealogy take yeah exactly yeah. And, and like I think that there needs to be a lot more, I guess, regulatory control about how it's used because right now it's just like a shiny new toy or shiny new tool rather. And I think that it can be used for a lot of good, but at the same time I'm like, but consent and, and privacy, I don't, I don't know. For me, like, yeah, my, I lean more to that side, but I'm still very much stuck in the middle because I know how useful it is and it, you know, continues to be so. Um. Yeah, my brother did it. Um, I'm fine with it personally, but like I said, I understand why people wouldn't mm-hmm. want that out there and... I don't think there's a wrong or right answer on this. I think it's your preference. And I think it boils down to, like you said, your consent. Yeah, exactly. Like, if I were to be contacted by law enforcement and they said, like, you know, we think that you have familial ties to someone who committed this crime. Like, can you provide your DNA that we can compare for familial DNA? I'd be Mm -hmm. like, yes, sure. Take it. Like, I'll, I'll tell you everyone in my family, like, then you can just eliminate from there. But, you know, that's me getting to choose to choose doing mm-hmm. that and to to actually giving my consent and handing that over as opposed to, you know, me handing it over for my entire family, some of which I don't even know, you know. Well, I think now websites do, like, have contracts where they're like, we do not release this as public mm-hmm. record. Like, mm-hmm. it's like police would have to get a warrant. Yeah. And to I know, like, get. Yeah. yeah. And the sketchy part was, like, more so in the beginning when it seemed as though people were not informed that these genealogy places were, were giving it to law enforcement. Um, and so since then, you know, they've made their users more aware of it but I don't know yeah I just wanted to to know your thoughts on that and I don't know if anyone listening if they have an opinion about it we'd we'd like to hear about it um like Lauren said we do have the 
the Instagram, Criminally Real Podcast, but we also have a Twitter that we're going to work very hard to use more. (laughs) (laughs) We're really bad. All right. Well, speaking of cold cases and cold things, I have a new fresh cold beer in my hand. Do you? Me too. Awesome. I have a tenants. A tenants. What do you have? I have have another cider. Austin East Ciders. Yes. So, look at us drinking local. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Shop local. I know. But yeah, speaking of other things on ice, um, I want to talk about the icy friendship between Jen and Mary, and uh, I don't know, maybe getting to the lingering smell of hospital in their friendship. What do you think? (laughs) I think, absolutely. I just want to say, as a starter, I think this might be the best freshman series of any housewives yeah show ever like i've never seen a house i i I think also the reason for that is because these women are all genuinely friends like Mm -hmm. you can tell they're friends before this show for the most part i do think some were like loosely related yeah like a friend but i do think yeah i think like whitney was kind of shoehorned and i love her but i do think she was the most shoehorned she's like shoehorned by heather basically yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so I think like the authenticity of friendships and the 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 history that they clearly I in, like. I went have. and creeped on a few of their Instagrams, and I mean they went back quite a bit, and so yeah, I, I agree. Like it is, a, it's like a very genuine connection between mm-hmm. you can tell between some people, and then other people are like adjacent, but it's not mm-hmm. like a new random person being introduced to a group. No, and I think that's what makes it, like, that's what makes New York so great, is all mm-hmm. those women have, for the most part, a history, they all knew of each other, mm-hmm. and I oh, think yeah, that's what makes it the, great. Yeah, they say yeah. it all the time. Ramona's, like, I've uh, known Ramona for 15 yeah. years. <laughs> Ramona's like, she was at my first renewal party oh when I was God. 21. Speaking <laughs> of renewals, like, when I was watching the first episode and it's it's Whitney's renewals, I was like, girl, don't you know this is a bad idea? Like, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> you you do not do it on TV. Yeah, they... No, but her and her husband, like, they do actually, like, despite their uh, sketchy start and their age difference, like... Yeah, they, they do seem they like do a seem very to have cute... a decent yeah, partnership. But, um, yeah, so what are your initial thoughts on everyone? Like, you know, they, they're yeah. a very cohesive group, but how do you feel about each person individually? I So my favorites are Heather and Whitney. Yes. I think I, that's... I'm like a stand for Heather at this point. I love her. <laughs> Heather's, and I read like outside of the show, people refer to Heather as like a tranny. Fuck you. you know, offensive stuff That's she's so a, rude. She's not. It's so rude, and she's not. She's not a big no, woman. I, she's just tall. I even tall. wrote in my notes. I was like. You know what? Thank you, Bravo, for finally putting someone in front of us that isn't a size two. Like, this woman is no, beautiful. And she's healthy. She's healthy. She's such yeah. a girl's girl. Like, I love her. Like, I want to go to her for advice. I want to go to her for cookouts. I want to go with her to events. Like, yeah. like I love her. Yeah. No, I do. And I'm not saying that healthy... You, if you're too skinny yeah. or not healthy or whatever, like kids. healthy comes in every shape and size. Yeah, she looks, 
But people compared her to a tranny and sh- uh, or a drag queen, things of that nature. And she was like, I don't know why you're saying this as a as if it's supposed to be an insult because I stand behind the LGBTQI but, community yes. and I don't see that as an insult. Essentially, that, like, that's a summation of it. And I was yes, like, yes, queen. bitch. That's the... That is the personality yes. you should have as a housewife. And the thing I like about Heather as well, based on the show so far, is she reads people really well, mm-hmm. but she's fair. She really is, yeah. Like, and I find her very she fair. Really, I think that she takes a lot of time to think about it and to try to understand where people are coming from. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's just very aware of things. And I, I really appreciate that. Like, especially, you know, how she talks to Jen and then how she talked to Mary. And, like, I mean, mm-hmm. getting more into the events and stuff, but when Mary called her two-faced and she's like no like I'm just trying to mediate here and then after that invited her to lunch like I don't I thought that was like a very such like a stellar move on her part like you're such a like a good person not even just a good friend but you just seem like such a good person and but she's not boring she like brings the drama as well so it's not like she's too normal to be on this show like I think she's the perfect balance and she's so funny honestly like this could be a whole episode about me just like gushing over Heather (laughs) I love Heather (laughs) but yeah she's I'm sure she'll fall off the pedestal at some point (sighs) as all housewives do I'm prepared I'm you know what? I'm here yeah. for this roller coaster. We're we're on the high, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ride it out. <laughs> but Don't, yeah. How, so, what are your feelings on the overall season thus so far? So far, I love it. Um, I think that it has just enough like normalcy. You know, like I feel like compared to the other housewife franchises. These women don't seem to be, like, the richest of the rich, but they seem to be, like, very prominent women in their community. And, like, Mm -hmm. that, they have their notoriety for that, as opposed to just being rich and spending, like, bukus of money on whatever the hell they want, even though they still (laughs) kind of do that. Um, But I think I totally agree about the, like, the joints between them, and they just seem, they seem to have a history with each other. Um, And I also think that it's so... It's kind of interesting and I think nice that they didn't just go with like an all Mormon cast. Like these women have very different mm-hmm. thoughts and backgrounds and you know, you have a Jew, a Pentecostal, a Muslim, a, a Mormon, LDS, yeah, like just everything. Yeah. So I think that that adds like a very a very interesting and fun dynamic to it that you don't get from any other franchise. So Yeah, I agree. And typically like as someone who was raised very religious and now is uh, not, mm-hmm. um, is very much atheist now, I do like seeing different religion dynamics. And I also like that they're portraying religious women. And a lot of these women don't use their religion as a guise to like make excuses for their behaviors. Like, I feel like these women, for the most part, are able to separate their religion from like who they are. Because I hate when people are like, Well, I hold judgment against these people because of my religion. Like, I don't get the vibes from Mm -hmm. most of them. I do uh, a couple. couple. Uh, I do. Which we'll get into. I mean, for the most part, honestly, I don't know that much about the LDS church or Mormons and General. like I know the basics Mm-mm. but I think it's it's quite interesting to get that kind of like unfiltered rawness about 
what women are expected to do and be and how the family functions and then even living in that atmosphere being a non-Mormon. And yeah, I find that interesting. It's kind of fun, honestly, to see it all mesh together and their how their personalities differ from their religion and how, like you said, like it doesn't like they don't live up to the stereotypes. And I feel like they're doing a really exactly a really good job at showing the realness of different personalities in that. But yeah, I really appreciate the dynamics the women yeah. bring. How do you feel about Jen? Um, I don't like her. Same. <laughs> I, like I feel like it could. I, I feel like this is one of the characters that is going to ebb and flow, very much so. Like I, yeah. I want to like her. In the beginning, I was like, she's mm-hmm. very over the top. But I don't know if it's for clout or for if she's just naturally like that. I could see her having like a Camille Grammer type resurgence in her second mm-hmm. season because it's clear her husband is like not involved, is very absent, which you know that like fucks with people. Yeah. Like if you have a spouse, partner, whatever that is not present, I don't think he's very supportive. Well, like I don't, those, know. I don't, I kind of. And disagree. she seems like an emotional yeah, person. I kind of disagree about the support thing because I'm like. I kind of want to coach Shaw pep talk. Like, that would make my life maybe better. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, you can tell yeah. that the the separation between them is, is it very much affects her. Palpable. Yeah. yeah, and it's, yeah, I think that's why she's so, um, I, I mean, I don't know where we don't know yeah. enough. I think that could be why she's so emotional. Like, there's so many times where she just flies off, yeah. the, like off the handles, and I'm like, he went from point A to I, point Z, and I yeah, missed no the, the 24 characters in yeah. between, like the 24. I just steps. kind of feel, um, especially maybe a hot take, but I think mm-hmm. she's a gaslighter. I'm just gonna say it. Oh, I think she is because she uh, starts yes. the drama, but then blames somebody exactly, 100%. else for it. Or when she it. apologizes, yeah. it's not like a sincere apology. Like you know what, I fucked no. up, I did wrong, and it's like I don't know the whole comment thing. And we'll like we'll get into the comments, but it's like two wrongs don't make a right, and like mm-hmm. she can't just accept that somebody doesn't want to do something with her. And like the way that she gaslit Meredith, I was like. I'm done with you. And Meredith seems the most practical. Mm-hmm. I think Meredith is like, she strikes me as such like a put together person. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to get to know her yeah. more. That's how I feel. Like I'm very intrigued by Meredith. I feel like we don't know enough about her, but we will. I mean, I think she has a messy life, to be yeah. honest. But like, she seems very her put husband's... together, like in spite mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, I mean, her husband seems like an asshole, yes, to be honest. Uh, Seth, yeah. Um, but Brooks, I love. Brooks. So, I love people. I saw on the internet people were rivaling against Brooks because when he said, like, Jen's vagina was in his face, and people were like, no, it wasn't. But I was like, if it was, if he could see it from that angle, like he's well within his right to say he was uncomfortable, well, I mean, yeah. and she was like making jokes about grinder. Yeah, regardless of, I mean, if he yeah. did see it or not, it's still like a very uncomfortable sight, like to see your mom's friend, yeah, buzzed or doing that. But also, I think the real crime in that situation was her fucking <laughs> shoes on the couch. Like, was I the only one who was oh. so upset? Like, bitch, where do the fuck do you think? But you also, are? the shoes were. S- 
Those shoes were oh, so ugly, were. too. Her shoes and it's are, like five feet of yeah, snow. Yeah, her shoes are like the definition of a hoe don't get cold. <laughs> I wish I had that. Uh, I've recently learned that people put numbing cream on their feet what? to wear high heels. Oh, she would definitely and do that. And I'm like... Oh, at those heels! But I was like, "That's how people do it." I had right? no idea. Like there's, or they get Botox in their the people fuck? get Botox. Oh my in god, their my feet. mind is like blown. And it's like, I had no fucking <laughs> idea this is possible. I, I just learned oh my this. God, yeah, she totally yeah. was. I was like, I get Botox, I get Botox yeah. in my face, but. Maybe I'll start getting my feet. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. Either way, keep your goddamn shoes off my couch. Yeah. Because you know that couch yeah. is not you cheap. Nasty. Meredith has one of like the nicer homes, I think. Fuck like, no. get your shit off. It's not my taste, but it is a very nice home in general. Yeah. Objectively, it's yeah, a it nice home. Nice. It's not my yeah, taste. That's fine. I'm Team Brooks on this I, one. Yeah, I totally am. Honestly, I'm like Team Not Jen on most things. So. Spoiler no, alert. I know. I, I, um, I do like Brooks. I, everyone's like he's thirsty, and I'm like, listen, if one of my parents went on Real Housewives, you bet your mm-hmm. ass I'd move back to America. I would leave Scotland, yeah. move to America, abandoned my husband <laughs> and my hedgehog, so that I could be on a Housewives show. Like, I don't blame you. You I bet your. But and the <laughs> fact that he's twenty one, you know, he's he's not like one of the kids that's like grown up in the show like some other people have. Mm-hmm. So it's like he can actually go out and and sometimes drink with them and stuff. And you can tell he's like kind of friends with his mom. So yeah, I don't blame him at yeah. all. Like use it. I'm surprised his yeah. sister didn't do the same. Well, she wore that really nice dress in the one scene she was mm-hmm. in. I was like, oh. She dressed up, and I was yeah. like, "She's like, look we're gonna go to you we're hot, gonna go to Best so. Buy. Like somebody needs to see this yeah. dress. <laughs> Who goes to Best Buy anymore? I don't know. I feel like that was you one of the Target. instances that they were just like thinking of anything to get out of that situation. They're like, it's yeah. eight forty-five. We gotta go to Best Buy. <laughs> Honestly, though, in this pandemic, I'm like, I gotta go get my mail. I'm gonna, like, do a beat yeah. face and style my you know hair. What? So I haven't, I I haven't walked by my favorite restaurant to see if they've fully closed yet in a while. <laughs> I gotta look snatched. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. What about? But, uh, uh, yeah, I really like Meredith. Yeah. What about Lisa? Uh, uh, Lisa has had some great quotes, but I also don't like her. I, I I'm like like mm, I feel like she she's already ebbed and flowed like for she, me. I feel like she's the morally corrupt Faye Resnick of the group, <laughs> just based off of her quotes. And I wrote down the quotes because there were some, good, some ones. good ones. If you get a Chanel necklace and choke on it, that's your problem. <laughs> I just love her whole like Mariah Carey. I don't know her thing about Heather. I was like, you're such a bitch. Yeah. But I do love a good bit, bitch vibe. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, uh, I, I think it was Whitney talking about Lisa walking around in her coat. And I'm like over her was shoulders. Was this the pink furry yes. coat? Ugh. Yes. It, Meredith it was so part. ugly. It was so bad. But I don't. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about her. I definitely I don't think I like her as much but she's she has like some some iconic qual- iconic qualities to her 
Iconic. Yeah. Another another uh, line I liked of hers was, if you feel threatened, that's because you feel threatened, not because I threatened you. <laughs> and I'm like, that's a haiku. It, <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, we're, like, the same on Lisa. We're, like, yeah. we're not sure if she's a great villain yet. Like, Jen has kind of been mm-hmm. the lead villain. Mm-hmm. It's, like... Lisa's trying. Yeah, like, I think if Jen didn't exist, Lisa would... Lisa would seem, like, more than she is. But because Jen exists, Lisa's, like, a a Robin version to the Batman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, honey, maybe. Maybe. You'll get there. Maybe. <laughs> You're trying a little. And she looks a lot like Meredith, where, like, in the first two episodes, I kind of got them confused I did too. a few times. I was like, wait, are you the nice one or the bitchy one? I forget. <laughs> <laughs> They're all bitches. They're all bitchy. <laughs> They're all bitches. Gosh. <laughs> oh, Mary. How could I forget mm-hmm. Mary? <laughs> There's something about Mary. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> there. There's yeah, there's uh my my husband, Cameron. I'm gonna say Cameron because I hate saying my husband. I feel like a dick. It, it sounds weird. I kind of like forget that you guys are married because like I'm used to him just being your boyfriend. <laughs> but he said Mary reminded him of Beaker from the Muppets. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> and I was like, the accuracy. Actually, yeah, I can see it. Oh my gosh! But how do you feel about Mary? Um, mixed feelings. Mm-hmm. I love her facial expressions. Yeah, like absolutely love them. Fucking crazy eyes to the max. <laughs> yeah. Her style is a bit questionable, and like. I don't know. For the most part, I'm like, I can, under, like, you're not wrong, but your delivery is just horrible. Like, you could do so much more if you just didn't open your mouth. Like, you know, if you just didn't say something sometime, you could still make your point, not make yourself look like such an asshole. I kind of felt like that until the most recent episode, though, when she's like, if I see all, a black family at a gas station, yeah. I'm not. And then I was like, Okay, I'm no longer on Mary's side. Yeah. But in general, I feel like Mary tries to set herself above everyone yeah. else. Like, period. Regardless if it's anybody, if it's the person in front of 7-Eleven, if it's the ladies who lunch. Like, <laughs> she, she, like, and I think that goes back to her her whole church and yeah. stuff, which I've, like, read some things about her church, and, we'll like, go, that's a whole I episode on its own. I think we'll do an own. episode on that, because we had a fan. Yeah. We had a fan that wasn't a we friend. We had a fan reach out. A fan reach out that wasn't family. <laughs> it wasn't a friend. Oh, now she's yeah, a friend. It wasn't someone that Lauren or I She's knew. now a friend with us, but she asked that we cover yes. that, uh, cover Mary's church, and we're, like, abso-fucking-lutely. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I really want to, yeah, because it's so interesting. Yeah. But, like, one of the things about her church that we can talk about now is that it, the way that I understood it is, like, her grandmother was, like, chosen by God. That's how they well, see like the it. like the Pope. And so, yeah. Yeah, so, like, that spirituality transferred to Mary. So I think that forms a lot of her identity and a lot of her r- reasoning behind things because that's why she kind of seems like she's above everyone yeah. else and she's like can do no wrong basically i also just 
from what I understand. I f- like, I feel bad for Mary because I do think she was pressured. Like, her her step-grandfather, oh, totally. she was 19. Yeah. Oh, and once again, to, like, Stan Heather, oh. uh, I feel like she had a really, <laughs> she had a very, like, understanding way of of approaching it to her, of approaching Mary's marriage, like, because, I don't know, I kind of felt the same way of, like, everybody else, like, oh, that's, um, that's interesting. <laughs> and when Heather was like, you know, we all do crazy things for our religion, for our family mm-hmm. that don't always make sense to anybody else. And, like, we can't judge people based on that because at the time, like, they do what they think is right. And they, if you, we all justify things for different reasons and religion is a big part of that. So I was like, okay, like, thank you for not being judgmental and, like, also, I don't know, helping people like me, I guess, understand it a bit more. I think, I think, I mean, it's still a choice, but I think it's a good way of bridging the gap. Um, and yeah. I just I do feel bad for and Mary in that regard, if because she says it's mm-hmm. like an arranged marriage, and if her grandfather, her sub grandfather, mm-hmm. was, he's like what thirty years older than her, and she was nineteen. Yeah. I mean that's predatory, and um, it's yeah. uh, like I feel bad judging I'm, her. I don't like no. him because I'm like there's no way that. You know, his wife at the time was writing her will, and he got no say in that. Yeah. Like he's like, "Fuck yeah, I, I want a nineteen-year-old." Like, like, you know how creepy old. Yeah, men like are. even if you look, if you watch the clip where she's talking about it, he's kind of like sitting there, like chuckling to himself, and I'm like, "You old yeah, bastard." He's really creepy. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't like it. I don't like him. But I don't. I don't like it. But I think that Heather made a really good point about that, mm-hmm. being like, "Look." Even I've done some crazy shit because I thought that my religion mandated it. So, like, I can't sit here and judge this woman who married her step-grandfather and thought that or believes that it is the right decision for her. Like, I can't do that because that would make me a hypocrite. Yeah. And I was like, I respect No, I totally get it. And like I said earlier, I was raised super religious and my mom made me when I was young right like sign a clause that I'd always vote Republican I'd never get tattoos what? and I'd re- remain a virgin till marriage <laughs> I'm like I used to have this little card that let I signed that said I would be a virgin oh yeah and then you get horny once and you're like fuck this I'm where's some yeah. dick <laughs> like puberty yeah. hits and you're like whoa wasn't expecting this but yeah if only like yeah, I, my mom's not religious anymore, and neither am I. But you know me; I'm covered in tattoos. Yeah, yeah you got a few. <laughs> and uh, and I was a fucking slut in the best <laughs> way. I say slut as a term of endearment, but I definitely let my freak flag fly before getting married as you at should. thirty. Live it up. And I've never voted Republican. <laughs> Fun fact: Obama about was my Lauren. first time voting. Obama was my first time Same voting. Same, actually, so. but four years later, <laughs> after you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a little yeah. older, but uh, so I get it. Religion can definitely. I don't think religion is inherently bad, mm. but I definitely think it can be bad. I think that yes, I think that like a lot of other things, religion can be used as a tool, and it can be manipulated mm-hmm. against people, and. Like their belief system can be used against them if of like if if a person has malice intent to do so, but it's like any other kind of belief system, you know. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. It's not just down to religion. Yeah. It's you know if you have, if you have a strong belief in something that shapes your entire outlook on mm-hmm. life. I think that's gonna sometimes negatively. But I mean, I think and then it can. You know, who am be, I to judge? It can be. Yeah, like who am I yeah. to judge? Okay, well, let's go over like the <clears throat> the biggest highlight mm-hmm. scenes, like these moments that have shaped our thoughts so far. Yeah, I would say the biggest one for me is you smell like hospital because every time they flash <laughs> to it, I'm like peeing my pants laughing because I truly think it's one of the funniest fucking things I've ever heard. I think it's so great. I also like, I love when Mary is like, yeah, <laughs> I did it. And Jenna's like shocked that she would come clean and she's like, well, that just makes it and so I'm- much worse. But this is, this goes back to my problem with Jen is that I'm like, two wrongs don't make a right because you can't be upset with someone for, for saying that it smells like hospital in here, which like is a god awful smell yeah. to begin with. And then be so upset with that for like weeks later and then call that same person a grandpa yeah. motherfucker. Like, and then not apologize for that and be like, oh yeah, that was a really shitty I thing. I think to that's say. way worse. My than bad. You smell like, like hospital. Exactly. <laughs> In my personal yeah. opinion. And I think that that that's why like towards the beginning of the the whole like ladies who lunch met gala thing, I was like, I can understand like all Mary wants is an apology. She's setting this whole thing up, which is a very excessive, as an opportunity to give Jen to to apologize and like. Jenna's just like, oh, Meredith, I'm so sorry I, I, that I made you think that I was gaslighting you, <laughs> even though I totally was, and this is why you should feel bad for me and my decisions that I've made. And Mary's just sitting there like, what about me? <laughs> Bitch, you've got your excuses. Where are mine? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, And I think had Mary just said, like, I just want an apology. Like, you called me your grandpa motherfucker. Like, yeah. That was fucked up. Just apologize for it instead of going on the whole thing. But yeah, the smells like hospital. it's truly. I mean, put that on my epitaph. Like, <laughs> I, I, I think it was so fucking funny. I don't think anything will top that this season, to be honest. They led with that straight out the gate. And then you had Jen crying in a bathroom, as we all do when we're drunk and upset. As we all do. Uh, Jen crying, I feel like, is going to be a theme this this season. Because, like, the Roaring Twenties oh party. What happened? Oh, oh, also, man. that party was... I want to be at that party. That was such a cool I party. I know. Honestly, Whitney, can you just plan Fuck. my parties for the rest of my life, I want life, strippers please? and hot people yeah, at my was... party at all times. I know. I love it. Yeah, Whitney is great. I do think she's a bit boring sometimes. I think she needs to bring the drama up a notch because... Well, yeah. I read this thing that, like, her her dad becomes, like, a big part of the show. And so maybe there will be some drama in that respect. And I'm hoping that it's not, like, a... negative a, thing. Like, sad, Because I really like drama. her dad. When she brought him to church and he felt welcome back into the church I community. Know. Like, I was getting teared up. I was getting teared up. I just want to bash and drag Jen some more. Like, when Whitney is at Heather's 
like company baby shower thing and Whitney is like telling Jen about their experience going to Mm -hmm. church and like you know what how Mary made her and her dad feel so welcomed and her dad felt so loved there and like so accepted because he hadn't been accepted for the past 10 years in the Mormon church and Jen has the fucking audacity to just sit there and roll her eyes Oh, I'm about to Ramona Singer her. The audacity. The audacity. audacity. In all sincerity, what a bitch. What a fucking (laughs) bitch. (laughs) Bitch. Yeah, I really, yeah, I like Whitney, but she's like, she needs to bring up the drama. She's like spicy vanilla. Yeah. Like she throws good parties, but she doesn't get involved in the drama. She just kind of sits there and watches as the world goes by. She does have some good like one liners and the kind of confession things, you know. She's really sweet. I appreciate. She is. Yeah. She might be too sweet. (laughs) Her housewives. I don't know. I think that we saw a little bit of the spicy side with her at the lunch. Her being like, I am 30, but I'm not acting like I'm 10. Yeah. (laughs) We need more of that from you. But uh, yeah, what are your final thoughts? My final thoughts thus far are obviously love Heather. Just just want to hang out with her all the time. Love Heather. Want to cancel Jen real bad. (laughs) But I'm curious to see how Jen evolves throughout the season and see if, like, her relationship does, like, impact. I want a Camille Grammer. I'm expecting a Camille Grammer type situation. That would be good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I like her because, like, she definitely stirs the pot, and that's what we're that's what we're all watching Bravo for. Am I right? Or like, let's, not, in, let's not pretend. In Salt Lake City, stirs the blender because there's a blender stirs in every blender. fucking. I'm still the blender that stirs the drink because in every goddamn scene, there's a fucking blender. A blender. <laughs> have you noticed that? Have you noticed? I haven't. What I have noticed though is all of the Chanel. I was like. Did yeah. Chanel sponsor this? Is that why everyone is like in every fucking accessory from Chanel? It's because one of the last few like high, like really expensive clothing items that still it's okay to wear the big brand names. Like you can't wear Louis Vuitton. And Vuitton and Louis Vuitton makes Louis mistakes, Vuitton. and we don't like that logo anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just I don't, I've noticed that a lot. I haven't noticed the blenders besides Meredith's. But I've now noticed, all you're gonna see is a blender. I know, but yeah, yeah I've noticed like the little Chanel logos on like fucking every accessory they own. Yeah, there's a lot of Chanel. I mean, like if I could afford Chanel, would I wear it? Fuck yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, would I wear want that their tweed. purses and shoes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, final thoughts are, are um, I'm very excited to see where this goes. I'm honestly, I'm mostly curious by Lisa, and I'm very mm-hmm. curious by Mary. I think that Jenna is going to be somewhat predictable. We know how she reacts to things quite well at yeah. this point. Um, but I'm I'm really curious to see if Lisa comes to another like thumbs up moment. Yeah. <laughs> Because that that would be fun for for me to watch. I don't know. I and I noticed. I I don't know if I was imagining things, but I think Lisa has like a Megan Fox thumb. You know, like it's like, like oh, like a, have you seen yeah, Megan like Fox's? It's, yeah, it's not like a hitchhiker thumb. It's like a toe yeah. thumb. And so I said this 
And then Cam again. I think Cam needs to be on this podcast because he has some of the best quotes. He was like, yes. is it stunted because of all of her thumbs up emojis? <laughs> <laughs> Just up her own ass somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to see where this can go. I was like, I don't even want to watch the mid-season preview because I'm like, I want to go in blind. I don't want to hear yeah. you smell like hospital again. I want the, these lines to be delivered at me blind. <laughs> Before we sign off, Jiggy. Oh, yes. Rest in peace, oh, Jiggy. Rest in peace. Oh, the sex monster. Does Jiggy is dead? I just... The jiggy is up. The jiggy is up. Oh, man, that makes me sad to think about. It's truly up. Jiggy was my favorite Real Housewives pet. He brought a lot lot of sass. Yeah. R.I.P. Jiggy. Okay, well, we can't end it on that. We need to end it on a happy note. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, Her other dogs are still alive. Yes. Yeah. Is, yes that is that a better? Is that a better? And note? you know what? My dog is too. She's yeah. probably hungry by now. She's asleep. Let's get real. Oh yeah, we have to do the advent calendar. Mm-hmm. Have to do the advent calendar. Maybe I'll give the audience a little taste of that later. But yes, we need an, a little advent calendar. A dog end calendar up for Casey. Yeah. 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 Casey is my dog. She has an advent calendar right now. Uh, and it's the best content I've ever produced in my life. <laughs> it is. It truly is. I would yes. follow your TikTok. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no, I don't have one. In two weeks from now, when you are all yes. with your family or alone and opening Christmas presents, and then that high goes away, and you're just sitting there, our podcast is going to come out, and Lauren's going to tell us Let's something. Keep you warm by the fire. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know what yet. But it's going to be good. It's going to be real. It's going to be criminally real. Keep it real. Bye, beaches. Bye.